This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you as we launch into hour number one of the program. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free on our website, so enjoy those on us. Unlike those other radio talk show hosts that want to charge you for accessing their uh, their sites, ours is free. freetalklive.com. Huh. Now, I've actually been holding on to a story for a few days here because I wanted to wait until Julia came in uh, to discuss this one because it has to do with young people. And being that she is the youngest of, uh, of all of the hosts on Free Talk Live, I figured she would have the most insight to all of this. She, is, she was um, younger more recently than you or I, Mark. Mm. And, um, so, and, of course, and I, of course, have been old before my time, too. So I want to talk about teenagers in America and why it is and how it is that the system is ruining them, just ruining them, not ruining just them? i mean we've talked about uh we certainly discussed before how sort of the the government school system is designed to dumb dumb kids down, and that's one thing, but I want to go further than that, and I want to talk about just not just the system but also just the way society is set up, and the system has a lot to do with it, and just the way that that uh we in America look at kids. And we we act towards kids, and we and we treat young. I, I shouldn't even use the term kids. It's it's kind of part of all this. Young people, uh, how we how we treat young people, how we what we expect out of young people, and how it is that that is damaging them, and that is going to maybe prevent them from being as productive or uh, effective in the economy as they possibly could be. Well, I must say I'm interested in what you've got to say. Yeah, well, it's something we've talked about before, but now there's an article from Psychology Today where uh, psychologist Robert Epstein is being interviewed, and uh, he really lays it out. He really, I think, lays down what the prob- many of the problems are with teenagers today and, and how society, um, again, is handling them. So let me just jump into this, and, and we can discuss as we go through it. The question from uh, Psychology Today was, why do you believe that adolescence is an artificial extension of childhood? And his answer is, in every mammalian species, immediately upon reaching puberty, animals function as adults, often having offspring. Okay. We call our offspring children well past puberty. The trend started 100 years ago and now extends childhood well into the 20s. At the age, uh, the age at which Americans reach adulthood is increasing. 30 is now the new 20. And most Americans now believe a person isn't, a person isn't an adult until age 26. The whole culture collaborates in an artificial, in artificially extending child, uh, childhood, primarily through the school system and restrictions on labor. The two systems evolved together in the late 19th century. The advocates of compulsory education laws also pushed for child labor laws, restricting the ways young people could work, in part to protect them from the abuses of the new factories. The juvenile justice system came into being at the same time. All of these systems work together to isolate teenagers from adults, often in problematic ways. So again, all of this is something we, we've touched on, sort of, you know, talking about how kids are now, uh, young people are now considered children until they're well into where they should be adults. Like, we've got this system basically that coddles young people all the way up until they're released from the school system, basically. So if you get out of school at 18, then you'll become an adult probably sooner than somebody who's coddled all the way up through college well, it does at that 24. Unless um, they commit some heinous crime, in which case they're immediately an adult. <laughs> yeah, then they're an adult, right? <laughs> because, you know, it's, it seemed, it's always seemed very strange to me when they uh, say that uh, juveniles 
you know, when juveniles commit adult crimes, they need to be treated like adults. Yeah. Well, what happens when adults commit juvenile crimes? <laughs> I mean, what if I went out today and I got a can of spray paint and I sprayed it, paint my name on the side of a government building? Would I be treated like a juvenile? No. Because I don't think I would. I think I'd be treated like a full-fledged adult. Something I find, have always found very interesting, which is actually, I believe, was mentioned in, in the beginning of this article, is that physically we mature at somewhere between ages 10 and 15, somewhere around then, mm-hmm. but mentally, mm, not so much. Well, yeah, and that's just, and, and I think a lot of that mental maturity has to do with the society and the systems that these kids are put into where they're not encouraged to mature. In fact, the, again, the government school system encourages kids that they tell kids that being stupid is, is, is good, and I think he actually touches on things like that in, uh, in this article. The government school system doesn't tell kids that uh, being stupid is good, but it has become the cool thing to do while in government school. Yes, being yeah. stupid is definitely cool in government school. Yeah, for some school. reason that was cool when I was in government school. And they didn't do anything to counteract that. How about that? Anyway, let's continue. Our current education system was created in the late 1800s and early 1900s and was modeled after the new factories of the Industrial Revolution. Public schools or government schools set up to supply the factories with a skilled labor force, crammed education into a relatively small number of years. We've tried to pack more and more in while extending schooling up to age 24 or 25 for some segments of the population. In general, such an approach still reflects factory thinking. Get your education now. Get it efficiently, so-called. Of course, we don't think it's very efficient at all. In classrooms in lockstep fashion. Unfortunately, most people learn in those classrooms to hate education for the rest of their lives. Now, some people get out of school and then they finally discover that they are actually interested in learning some things and then they pursue those things. Sure. Uh, I've learned everything that I talk about on you know this show, all things I've learned after high school. Um, I study every day. I mean, yeah. I study the news, I study uh, different uh, articles, I study people's uh, essays on uh, political science. I study political science from an amateur fashion every single day. The key is you're interested in it. Yeah. Whereas the government school's approach is they force their curriculum down your throat, they tell you this is good for you as they force you and to... And there's only one method to do it as well. For example, when you're taking a math class, there's only one way to do division. And if you don't do mm. it this way, then you get an F, even if you got the right answer. Right. right. That, that's, that always baffled me. Um, they, the teachers want you to show your, um, show show your, your work. work. What well, if you're smart enough that you don't have to show your work? What, what if, if I did it in my head? Right. One size fits all is exactly what Julia is pointing out. So the curriculum is one size fits all, and the way to actually learn the curriculum is one size fits all. Anyway, the factory system, says a psychologist, doesn't work in the modern world because two years after graduation, whatever you've learned is out of date. We need education spread over a lifetime, not jammed into the early years, except for such basics as reading, writing, and perhaps citizenship, whatever that means. Past puberty, education needs to be combined in interesting... And I think you need a course in uh, order to deal with the government. It's so difficult and time-consuming. That's a good point. I look at these uh, the, the forms that you have to fill out to do your taxes. I, it, it's baffling. It's, I, I well, hate I, dealing with the government. I agree, and I have the simplest taxes ever. I have one yes, form, and it's easy still, form. Yeah, it is, yeah, it's the, not easy. And it's not easy. Past puberty, education needs to be combined in interesting and creative ways with work. The factory school system no longer makes sense. Now, you know, this is just one psychologist suggesting what he thinks would be right for, uh, for the education system. Of course, if you ask Free Talk Live, we say let the market decide. Let the market come up with a variety of different educational options for parents and young people to choose for themselves and, and let them plug themselves into whatever systems they, uh, they would like. 
Well, going back to uh, childhood, the next question for the psychologist is, what are some likely consequences of extending one's childhood? And think about the types of people that are behind this movement. There, you know, there's there this there's this kind of mentality that some people have that. Your childhood is the most precious time in your life. Don't you want it to just last forever? The innocence should be preserved. Right, that kind of crap. Yeah. Thank goodness I'm not a child anymore. I, I don't miss it one bit. I like my adult life. It's, it's a lot better. But there's, there are those people out there that they have this sort of nostalgia for their childhood, so they want to force other kids to have as long as a childhood you know, as they, they possibly can. If they have nostalgia can. for their childhood, let them put on diapers and roam around <laughs> like the freaks do. Leave me and my childhood alone, please. The psychologist's answer is, well, imagine what it would feel like or think back to what it felt like when your body and mind are telling you you're an adult, while the adults around you keep insisting you're a child. You know, um, this sort of relates to my life in, in, in one way. I, um, I chose to go to work at 12 years old. I, uh, for whatever reason, ended up um, hanging out all the time at a comic book store that mm-hmm. was in my neighborhood. And uh, pretty soon they had me doing little chores and things like that. And before long, at the age of 12, I was actually working. I was on the quote-unquote payroll. I was getting paid uh, in credit in the store, I could get comic books, but that's mm-hmm. what I wanted. So, um, I mean, all the rest of my expenses were paid. I was 12, so I, it just allowed me to get, you know, pursue my hobby. But I'd go, I had set hours. I'd be in there. I learned all kinds of things working in that store. How to count money, right. use cash register. You weren't too young for be it. Be on time. Um, you know, listen to the boss. All those things. Right. They kept you at the job because you learned, because you picked it up. Because if you'd gone in and been like a brick and didn't absorb any of the information, then uh, they would have said, well. Thanks, Mark, but no thanks. Uh, we'll just take you as a customer. But you were capable of understanding those things in growing, and we're coming back to talk more about childhood and how it's been extended way too long. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. And some of those features include updates. You just get signed up, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You'll know first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. Pop quiz. What do Washington politics and libertarianism have in common? Answer very little. But the Prometheus Institute, readpi.com, is looking to change all that by implementing practical, innovative solutions to today's most pressing political issues. Visit readpi.com today. That's readpi.com. Talking about young people in America, I don't know how bad it is in other countries, and if you are in another country and you want to tell us, you're welcome to chime in here. But basically, um, Psychology Today has an interview with a, uh, let's see, his name is Robert Epstein. And we're talking about youth, and we're talking about how the culture and and society tends to encourage young people to stay as children as long as possible. And when I say children, I mean stay as young as they can possibly be mentally as long as possible. When they're physically mature, when they have the physical characteristics of an adult, and in theory they could handle Many, many adult things. In fact, he's got some evidence of that here that he'll present in, in a few moments. But for some reason, there's this. there are certain people in this country that believe that all kids should have childhood as long as it can possibly be extended. If right. we could extend it to age 50, then it should be extended to age 50. But they've got it about halfway at this point. They managed to, got, to get it up to about 20, 
to 24 well, years how, old. They aren't enforcing their um, rules for childhood up to 22 or 24. It's not enforced, but it is suggested. If you stay through, if you stay in the suggested system, that is, you go through government school and then you move into college, you're essentially coddled along as a as a little child. You, yeah, you can smoke and drink by the time you're in you're uh, you're out of college. But uh, just it's amazing the way that we we keep kids kids when they could become adults much earlier. Well, what do you think they're doing in order to keep kids kids? There's a variety of different things. We'll touch because, on that. Um, you know, if you think moving out on your own um, is somehow a uniquely American, um, you know, uh, in the sense that uh, kids not moving out and taking care of themselves is somehow uniquely American, you're very, very mistaken. I'm not Our talking about that. I'm not is, talking about moving out. Unique in it in in people moving out. This is actually. more than this is more than it's not even about moving out. It's about the attitude of people towards kids. And as he puts it, imagine what it would feel like, or think back to what it felt like. And I can still remember this. I know exactly what you're going to say before you say it. Well, because I've already said it. When your body and mind are telling you you're an adult, while the adults around you keep insisting you're a child. And I remember getting that sort of a feeling when I was a young person. Like, you know, I'm being looked down upon. People think I'm stupid. People think I'm dumb just because I'm younger than they are. That sort of uh, that sort of mentality. Well, it doesn't stop here. I mean, uh, people come on the air. Uh, it seems like older guys generally come on the air and say, how old are you guys? Right, right. I'm and, 70. And, well, fine, you're 70. I'm old enough to be president of the United States and older than Jesus was when he died on the cross. Is that old enough for you? You're right. It doesn't stop when you're... Uh, it doesn't stop, but it's worse when you're when you're young, when you physically look young. Yeah. Anyway, this infantization, infantilization rather, makes many young people angry or depressed, with their distress carrying over into their families and contributing to our high divorce rate. It's hard to keep a marriage together when there's constant conflict with teenagers. We've completely isolated young people from adults and created a peer culture. We stick them in school and keep them from working in any meaningful way. And if they do something wrong, we put them in a pen with other children. In most non-industrialized societies, young people are integrated into adult society as soon as they're capable. And there's no sign of teen turmoil. Many cultures don't even have a term for adolescence. No. It's it's relatively new in ours, too. Um, it was just around the turn of the... Uh Turn of the century, twentieth century, that uh, adolescence came about at, at all, and I think that work is extraordinarily valuable to young people. I Absolutely. agree, and I started working two days before I turned fourteen. That's the smartest decision I think I made as a teenager. Hey, I remember when I was young that I wanted to work, and I remember being frustrated that as a fourteen or fifteen year old that you they're really just. Couldn't. Yeah, there just weren't jobs available. Right. Um, there maybe would have been one or two jobs, like if, grocery bagger or something like no, that. No, at 14? Yes. I think well, Publix down in yes. Florida will hire 14 It depends on the state. When I lived, I lived in Idaho when I was 14, and at 14 and 15, you could work, but there were so many restrictions on the hours. You could only work one day right. a week. They had to have a 15-minute uh, break every two which hours. Which also insulted me. As, as a right. young person, when I was 16 and I was working at Kmart in the electronics department, there were several, there were several times when, okay, you have to take this federally mandated 15-minute break, but I'm the only person in the back, of the, the back end of the store. There are customers in my department, and I would like to take care of the customers. Mm -hmm. That's something I wanted to do. It's not because I had some taskmaster manager breathing, over my, uh, breathing down my neck, holding a whip, cracking it over me. I wanted to do it because I wanted to provide good customer service. And, uh, you know, the law said I couldn't. 
And so again, this is something that that kids uh, the kids are prevented from working and and generating that maturity that that being in the workforce helps them generate. So if they don't work, and and Julia, you work in food service. You told me the other day that you've got young people coming in at age eighteen that have never had a job before in their lives. Right. And how good of workers are they? <laughs> They're terrible. <laughs> right. The best workers are the young, the best young workers are people that got jobs when they were 15, 16 and have work experience. Yep. The 18, 19, 20 year olds who come in and get their first job, they're terrible. They're lazy. They're dirty. But not only well, did. Messy. Not, but we not only created this stage of life, that is adolescence. We declared it inevitable. In 1904, American psychologist G. Stanley Hall said it was, programming, or it was programmed by evolution. He was wrong. How is adolescent behavior shaped by societal structures? Well, one effect is the creation of a new segment of society just wanting or waiting, rather, to consume, especially if given money to spend. There are now massive indus- industries, music, clothing, makeup, that revolve around this artificial segment of society and keep it going, with teens spending upward of $200 billion a year, mostly enti- almost entirely on trivia. Ironically, because minors have only limited property rights, they don't have complete control over what they bought. Think how bizarre that is. If you as an adult spend money and bring home a toy, it's your toy, and no one can take it away from you. But with a 14-year-old, it's not really his or her toy. No, it's it's their adult. It's their parents. Young people can't own things, they can't sign contracts, and they can't do anything meaningful without parental permission. Permission that can be withdrawn at any time. They can't marry, can't have sex, can't legally drink. The list goes on. Now, most parents, um, you know, respect their children's property and uh, as their own, as you know, the children's, and and they want their kids to learn about real life, so they give them allowances and um, they let them keep the stuff that they buy and all that other sort of thing. But uh, you you are speaking absolute truths. A parent can send a child out to work at 16 or so mm-hmm. and keep their paycheck. They're restricted and infant, uh, infantilized to an extraordinary extent. In recent surveys, I found that American teens are subjected to more than 10 times as many restrictions as mainstream adults, twice as many restrictions as active-duty U.S. Marines, and even twice as many as incarcerated felons. Psychologist Diane Dumas and I also found a correlation between infantilization... Well, I and- must say, um, I've been both a, a teen and an incarcerated felon, and it was better being a teen. And psychological dysfunction. The more young people are infantilized, the more psychopathology they show. What's more, since 1960, restrictions on teens have been accelerating. Young people are restricted in ways no adult would be. For example, in some states, they're prohibited from entering tanning salons or getting tattoos. 1-800-259-9231. We'll talk more about teens and how they could be so much more than they currently are today. 800-259-9231, 800-259-9231, Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features for free, and some of those features include the wiki. Over 1,350 pages created by listeners just like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. Wiki, W-I-K-I, dot freetalklive.com. And the Free State 
Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival's better known as Pork Fest. It's going on right now. It ends on Sunday, so get up here if you possibly can. At Pork Fest, you'll be able to talk with New Hampshire natives and those who've made the move, as well as hear and discuss the progress and the future of the Free State Project. You can head over to porkfest.com, that's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com to learn more. What's on the schedule for tomorrow, the, the day is just loaded up with uh, with things to do. And, of course, we're going to be broadcasting live from there tomorrow night. So looking forward to meeting a lot of our listeners out there at Porkfest. That's porkfest.com. We're talking about young people in America. And I presume this is also in a, I presume this is also happening in some other Western cultures like uh, Canada, that sort of thing. Um, talking about how young people, teenagers specifically... They've matured physically. They have the, uh, many in cases, the, the bodies of adults, and their minds are completely capable of handling adult things like working and that sort of thing and, and making decisions. But we in society keep telling them they can't. We keep telling them, no, you can't make decisions for yourself. You aren't the magic number of 18 or 21, depending on what decision it is that uh, we want to prevent them from making. We tell them that they are too young to make these decisions. We, sell, we tell them you can't watch movies until you're 17. You can't smoke cigarettes until you're 18. You can't drink until you're 21. You can't drive until you're 16. You can't do, you know, you can't do, you can't do, you can't work until you're X amount of age. I mean, it's just incredible amounts of restriction that are placed on young people in America, and all it does is it keeps them in this, this sort of childlike state, except they're not like a child anymore. In their head, they know they aren't. And so you wonder where a lot of teen angst comes from. It probably comes from the fact that they want to be adults so bad, but no one seems to want to allow it. And so we're going to continue discussing this uh, from psychologytoday.com, this, uh, an interview with uh, one particular psychologist, Robert Epstein. But first we'll go to the phones and talk to Tim in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live, Tim. Tim, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Tim in Illinois. Is he gone? I'm here. Tim. I'm here. What's on your mind? Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? And Julia. Hello. Um, hello. I haven't talked to you before. I never called on Friday. Congratulations. Um, now, what's on your mind, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of have a related story. Um, and kind of some big news, too. Okay, so me and my wife, um, I think I've talked, yeah, I definitely have talked about her on here before. Um, we don't really see eye to eye too much, and, um, well, we are getting a divorce. Mm-hmm. Sorry to hear that. Because she feels like she's too young to have this much commitment. Okay. May, now, we may have I two ask kids how old together. she is? Uh, she's 19, I am 20. Uh, we've been married for almost two years. We have two kids. Oh, you were the guy that was married right out of high school, right? Well, right. Uh, getting a divorce isn't going to uh, stop her, her level of uh, um, responsibility. She has two children. Right. I mean, she's responsible for those two kids. <laughs> right. And but getting a divorce isn't going to stop that. Usually what the I'm too young excuse means, I want to hump other people. That's exactly what I was about to say. That it's, that, um, that's what it, you know, I mean... There's there's lots of different uh, solutions to that problem, but yeah, that's what it usually means. Yeah, um, but basically, yeah, that's that, that's kind of on the same uh, the same conversation you guys were having of kids just wanting to be young as well. Um, I, she sees all, all of her friends are home on vacation from you know college, and she mm-hmm. sees them all just running around and you know drinking whenever they want and smoking pot and you know screwing whoever they want. 
And uh, so, so she she's sort of, of she's sort of torn, right? She's basically she's done these adult things. She's popped out a couple of kids already, which is a very adult thing to do. But now she's saying she'd like to, you know, get rid of all that and go and regress back to childhood and be a right. you know an irresponsible young person again. Well, right, and just be able to run and do whatever. I mean, how many times have you, as a young person, heard this comment from your friends? You're only young once. Yeah, True. you should live live and party. Yeah. Peep, my friends tell me that all the time. I hear that over and over again. Yeah, and she keeps on throwing it in my face that I'm going to be 21 here in just a couple months, and that means I can go out and party and do whatever, too. But, I mean, you know, the key point is you know, I, I have two kids I'm responsible for. Yeah, right. I mean, that's that's really what seems, Party's to, be the over. Key. This seems to be the key here is um, there's two people that you've created and brought into this world, and you have responsibilities to those people. Do you just... What do you intend to do with them? Does it not matter? You want to party so badly that um, you'll allow your children to suffer? Right. That's that's kind of the point I brought up to her. And she says, you know, you can take her during the weekends. I'll keep her during the week. So and, you get you know, her during the we'll, weekends so she can party on the weekends? Probably. Well, I mean, we're going to switch off weekends, so I'll have them one weekend uh, every other weekend. Mm. And, um, well, actually what I really plan on doing, and I know that the uh, – this is kind of my big news portion of this call. Um, yeah, now that I'm not so tied down here, and, um, you know, there's always child support, um, and I know the first 1,000 pledge is done, but I will be there by, jo- by January 1st of 2009. You're going to come to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project is what you're saying. That is true. Congratulations. So what are you going to do about your children? Huh? Probably uh, come down... Because my parents and all my family still live here, Mm -hmm. so I'll be able to, you know, come up and stay, you know, every other weekend or, you know, for, you know, a week or two at a time. And Um, you're going to travel from New Hampshire to Illinois every other weekend? Well, maybe not every other weekend. Maybe once a month, once every other month. Well, I haven't checked Everyone. the. Uh, it's, it, there's probably a flight into into Midway from uh, Manchester for sixty nine dollars through Southwest, so it's not a completely incomplete impossibility. Probably, yeah. Well. I, I, I'm going to New Hampshire. Oh, congratulations on your decision, and, and good luck. Uh, life is obviously going to be a little bit more difficult without having somebody else to, to help support the kids, at least together with you. And uh, and I'm sorry that your your wife has uh, decided to go in this direction with her life. I, I hope that doesn't rub off too negatively on your kids, having a, a, a right. mom around like that. Yeah. Good luck, and, well. and keep, us, uh, keep us in the loop. Let us know what happens. Thank you for the call. 1-800-259-9231. Back to psychology today and the competence of teens. The question for the psychologist is, you believe in the inherent competence of teens. What's your evidence? Well, Dumas and I worked out what makes an adult an adult. We came up with 14 areas of competency, such as interpersonal skills, handling responsibility, leadership, and administered tests to adults and teens in several cities around the country. We found that teens were as competent or nearly as competent as adults in all 14 areas. But when adults estimate how teens will score on the test, their estimates are dramatically below what the teens actually score. Mm. So people are constantly underestimating young people. I see. And that that constant attitude of, well, you're just a teenager. What what do you know? 
really rubs off on kid, young mm. people. Other long-standing data show that teens are at least as competent uh, as adults. IQ is a quotient that indicates where uh, where you stand relative to other people your age. That stays stable. But raw scores of intelligence peak around age 14 and 15 and shrink thereafter. Scores on virtually all tests of memory peak between ages 13 and 15. Perceptual abilities all peak at that age. Brain size peaks at 14. Incidental memory, what you remember by accident and not due to to mnemonics, like when you walk in a room and you walk out and you're asked what you happen to mm. remember from the room, uh, is remarkably good in early to mid-teens and practically non-existent by the 50s and 60s. So if teens are so competent, why don't they show it? Now, what teens do is a small fraction of what they're capable of doing. If you mistreat or restrict them, performance suffers and is extremely misleading. The teens put before us examples by, say, the music industry tend to be highly incompetent. Teens encourage each other to perform incompetently. Remember how we were talking at the beginning of the hour, how being stupid is cool? Right. One of the anthems of modern pop, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, is all about how we need to behave like we're stupid. Teens in America are, t- are in touch with their peers an average of 65 hours a week compared to about four hours a week in pre-industrial cultures. In this country, teens learn virtually everything they know from other teens, who are in turn highly influenced by certain aggressive industries. We'll go with uh, more on this here in a moment at 800-259-9231. If you've got a story for us about how you felt depressed uh, by society and adults as a young person, we'd love to hear from you. This is Free Talk Live. show is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, uh, and the, some of those features include, the again, the archives, the live streaming, so much. We give it all away that we do ask you voluntarily support the show by going and buying some stuff at our store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com. We've got Free Talk Live clothing. We've got Free Talk Live other merchandise, like the Free Talk Live 2 gigabyte multi-gadget, probably the hottest selling item we've ever had, and uh, and more, even a Free Marketeer flag, Free Marketeer t-shirt, two, two items that don't even have our logo on them. So head over and shop with us at store.freetalklive.com. Talking about young people in America specifically, and how the uh, the culture and society and, and the government as well really just repress young people. They, they are told that they are still children. They're told that they should stay children as long as they possibly can. Maybe not so explicitly, but that's what the laws effectively do. They're, they're young. They feel like they want to be adults. They're, uh, they, they're feeling like adults. They're starting to look like adults, but they're not allowed to do adult things. They're not allowed to work up until a certain age, and the uh, gentleman being interviewed by Psychology Today, psychologist uh, Robert Epstein, says this is causing some serious damage to our young people. He says when uh, he says teenagers should be learning from the people they're about to become instead of from popular culture. When young people ed- exit the education system and are dumped into the real world, which is not the world of Britney Spears, they have no idea what's going on, and they have to spend considerable time figuring it out. There are at least 20 million young people in America between 13 and 17. And if they are as competent as I think they are, and we just talked about some of the testing that they did that found out that young people, that teenagers, are as competent as as adults in 14 different areas of testing, 
He says, if they are as competent as I think they are, we are just throwing them away. These kids, and I agree totally. This guy is putting into words what I've always thought and I've always tried to express. Um, He's doing it very eloquently. They're wasting their years sitting in this government indoctrination system, and then when they get out of the government indoctrination system, they're not actually, with the rest of the hours in their day, uh, that aren't filled with the busy work from the government indoctrination system, they aren't allowed to go and, and develop into real adults. They aren't allowed to go into the workforce and do things, and it's, it's a tremendous waste of potential and p- tremendous waste of potential resources. I think it's really sad. Uh, he says, the next question for him, do you believe that young people are capable of maintaining long-term relationships and capable of moral reasoning? Everyone who has looked at the issue has found that teens can experience the love that adults experience. The only difference is that they change partners more often because they're warehoused together. They're told that it's puppy love and that it's not real and are unable to marry without permission. The assumption is that they're just not capable. But many distinguished couples today, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, George and Barbara Bush, they married young, and they have very successful long-term relationships. According to census data, the divorce rate of males marrying in their teens is lower than that of males marrying in their 20s. Overall, the divorce rate of people marrying in their teens is a little higher. Does that so how mean- could the divorce rate um, of females uh, marrying in their teens uh, be lower than – or uh, be higher than uh, – than, teen, than women in their 20s unless the young men are marrying something that aren't teens. Run that question by me again. Well, it, you just he specified young men. Yes. And I'm wondering, what about young women? I, I don't know. He didn't mention that. Uh, overall, Who are the, the young men marrying if, the, if this isn't true for girls, too? I'm just wondering. I, I don't know. Uh, does that mean we shouldn't, that we should prohibit them from marrying? That's absurd. We should aim to reverse that, telling young people the truth, that they are capable of creating long-term, stable relationships. They might fail. But so do adults yeah. every day. The friends with benefits phenomenon is a byproduct of isolating adolescents. Now we call it hooking up in the popular culture. Uh, warehousing them together and delivering messages that they're incapable of long-term relationships. Obviously, they have strong sexual urges and act on them in ways that are irresponsible. We can change that by letting them know they are capable of having more than just a hookup. Studies show that we reach the highest level of moral reasoning while we're still in our teens. Those capabilities parallel higher-order cognitive reasoning abilities, which peak fairly early. Across the board, teens are far more capable than we adults think they are. What's the worst part of the current way that we treat teens? Well, the adversarial relationship between parents and offspring is terrible. It hurts both parents and young people. It tears some people to shreds. They don't understand why it's happening, and they can't get out of it. They don't realize that they're caught in a machine that's driving them apart from their offspring. And it's all completely unnecessary. Well, what can be done? I believe that young people should have more options. The option to work, marry, own property, sign contracts, start businesses, make decisions about health care and abortions, live on their own, every right, privilege, or responsibility that an adult has. I advocate a competency-based system that focuses on the abilities of the individual. For some, it will mean more time in school combined with work. For others, it will mean that at age 13 or 15, they can set up an Internet business. Others will enter the workforce and become some sort of apprentice. The exploitative factories are long gone. Competent young people deserve the chance to compete where it counts, and many will surprise us. Remember, uh, it wasn't too long ago, maybe about a year and a half or so, that we talked about a, a story uh, about a young man who, when I think he was very young, younger than, younger than 12 even, uh, started selling, 
I think it was like Shining Shoes or something like that. He he got sort of the entrepreneurial bug at a really young age, mm-hmm. and and he got out there and was able. He created his own business card and 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 got out there and handed out those cards to shop owners and things like that, and and did what he needed to do to promote his business. And he was a millionaire by age nineteen or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I remember the story, and I I don't remember any facts about the young man except that he was nineteen and black. I thought that you were going to mention the story that you read probably about six months ago about the young person. I believe he was eight or nine. He was he was very young, and he had some sort of a business selling worms or something as mm-hmm. bait, and they shut him down because right. you weren't allowed to run a business. From Dangerous. Your, yeah. Didn't have a license. Yeah. And you can't get a license as a teenager because you aren't allowed to sign contracts. I mean, not that I support licensing, but they couldn't possibly do that if they wanted to. And there's story after story right. like that. Little girls running a lemonade stand without permission from the town government. I mean, story after story of the government coming in and saying, oh, you're too young for this, sweetie. Sorry. Sorry. You can't do this sort of uh, thing. Anyway, he says it's a simple matter to develop competency tests to determine what rights a young person should be given, such as we now have competency tests for driving. When he offers significant rights for passing such a test, it's highly motivating. People who can't pass a high school history test will never give up trying to pass the written test at the DMV, and they'll virtually always succeed. We need to offer a variety of tests, including a comprehensive test to allow Not someone... Not that I consider the uh, the competency test on uh, the driver's mm. license to, mm. to ensure that, in fact, somebody's competent no. to drive a car. By no right. means. The evidence that... Uh, um, the evidence that that teens are not as good a driver as adults is is high. But the only way to learn to drive a car is to drive a car. Which is true. Uh, and he's just trying to come up with ideas. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that I think he's making a good one. He says uh, we need to have a... Uh, he says when we dangle... And this is important here. He says when we dangle significant rewards in front of our young people, including the right to be treated like an adult, what they really want. Mm-hmm. Many will set aside the trivia of teen culture and work hard to join the adult world. Think about what happens now, right? Now teenagers are told that uh, there's the rewards are out there. I mean, you get to the age that you're you get to the uh, to the certain age points, 17, 18, 21, etc., and then you have access to these new uh, newfound freedoms. I guess reward isn't really the right term for that. But that's just a waiting game. Kids, they don't care about all those rules. They'll go and they'll sneak into the movie theater that they want to sneak into. They're, they'll break the rule. They'll go and they'll get their older brother to buy them a pack of cigarettes or, you know, a bottle of alcohol. They'll break the rules. And so having these mandatory um, these mandatory minimum ages that kids must reach before they can have these extra freedoms doesn't do anything to keep them children um, longer. It just encourages them, them to break the frustrated rules. Frustrated young adults. Yeah, it makes them frustrated young adults. It makes it so they have no respect for the system and uh, and the rules that are out there, and it just turns them into little brats. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. He says the questioner says, well, "Are you saying that teens should have more freedom?" And he responds, "Well, no, they already have too much freedom. They're free to spend, to be disrespectful, to stay out all night, to have sex, right. and take drugs." This is this is really the point is. <laughs> You know, the freedom of being adult is great. Yeah. But if I go out tonight and I drink all night and I party my butt off, 
my day at work tomorrow is going to suffer. Assuming tomorrow isn't a Saturday. Right. But I do have to work on Saturdays. My, it's going to be a rough day tomorrow. And I'm going to have to deal with that. I've, I've got relationships. My wife, my wife isn't going to really like the idea that I'm going out and drinking all night long. My marriage could suffer. You know, there's all kinds, I have all kinds of reasons why I can't do that. Most people don't have as much freedom as I do. I, I work for myself so I can get away with these things. I can't imagine what it would be like go, um, arriving 7 o'clock tomorrow morning to work at McDonald's after I've drank all night. He says, but they're not free to... So they can do all those things, and they do, regardless of what the rules are. But they're not free to join the adult world. Mm -hmm. And have the responsibilities that temper those things. Exactly right. 1-800-259-9231. Young people in America, they're being forced to stay children when they want to be adults. We'll talk more about this in hour number two. Take your calls about whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you as we launch an hour number two of the program. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. We're going to come back a little bit in a little while and talk some more continue the conversation about young people in America and how the system, the government, and American culture in general um, oppresses them and keeps them as infantile as they possibly can when, in fact, the young people would like to be as adult as they possibly can. It's two pressures that are constantly fighting one another and that result in the wasted lives of our American youth. We'll come back to that, but we need to go to the phones to Chris in West Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Chris. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? What's on your mind? Uh, I've called in before. I called in once before a while ago. Um, I just, you know, I was curious uh, about uh, that that poor kid there from Illinois that called in. Uh, I used to live up your way, up in Boston. Mm -hmm. but uh you know i i uh, i i come from a family that's uh somewhat more than dysfunctional i think a lot of us do and uh i think that's the most important thing is um you know if if you know kids are going to take our responsibility i mean the foundation the family the family unit the foundation has to be there i mean i see so many kids that yeah they have the capability the capacity you know they're intelligent kids mm-hmm. you know they know a lot more than we ever did at that age, and uh, yet they don't have the confidence, you know. And I think that's because you know that they, they there's there's more broken families now than there ever were before. That, that may be a factor, or even if you have a family that's together. I know Julia, you were telling us during one of the breaks that you had a conflict within your parent, uh, your parental units, as far as what you should be doing as a teenager. Right. My mother is a. Uh, always worked for private companies and is a very hardworking woman. And my father has always been a bureaucrat. And my father hated me working when I was young. And my mother encouraged me to work. And I 
sided with my mother, but my dad used to get very angry and yell at me for working. Right. Now, what if your dad was more of a controlling jerk than he is and, uh, you know, beat your mom or whatever and didn't allow you to go out and actually work? What would that have done to the situation? What if, you know, what if you've got one parent that has that mentality of, you should be a child as long as you possibly can be a child and I'm not going to allow you to go out there and work? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, there there, there was a time when kids could be kids. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. You don't think there's anything wrong with what? There's nothing wrong with kids being kids. We're talking about about kids. We're talking about young people, teenagers. Young adults. Okay. Yeah, I remember playing sports. And now a lot of these schools, the, uh, the government has pulled these programs. Kids don't have anything to do. I mean, what do you want to do? Do you want to send them into the cubicles? You know, work as a uh, slave in, in, in the world? You're not a slave world? if you're well, working, th- sir. There's a lot of people that don't like um, the jobs that they do. My wife would be a perfect example. She doesn't really enjoy, um, you know, her work. But, you know... Um, there, there are people out there, for me, for instance, I wanted to go to work at a pretty young age. And how frustrating would that have been for me, and how would that frustration have played out if, for whatever reason, I wasn't able to go work? I mean, I just you know, think that different people are different, and, and there, should be, there shouldn't be rules set right. for, you know, one size fits all. Yeah, Chris, if you want to coddle your kids and keep them children as long as they possibly can, no, it's your business No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that it should really be entirely up to the family to talk about it, to discuss it, not the government. I mean, that's what liberty is all about. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, having the divine right uh, to uh, you know to your children, and uh, and you know and to you know if they think they're ready, you give them a shot. I mean, yeah. it's all up to the family. It's not about the government. It's that's not the way about, it should uh, be. The schools. That, I agree with you on that. Let's let the families decide. Unfortunately, if a family decides that they want their kids to be able to go out into the the, uh, the workplace early on, they're not allowed to. The government steps in and prevents it. So that's that's truly tragic. Luckily for me, my mother owned her own thrift store down in Sarasota, Florida. So when I was a young person, I was able to go in because it was her business and work for mom. In that particular case, there's an exemption. But had I wanted to go and work for somebody else, it just wouldn't have been possible or or a, they would have been breaking the law. Yeah, I, I, I agree there, but I, there's no question about it. The family is extremely important, and if someone's going going to be young enough to take the responsibility of of starting a family, that's something they need to follow through with. Like this kid uh, that called you from Illinois mm. uh, a while back. Yeah, with his, uh, um, with know, his 19-year-old wife kids, that wants to divorce him after having two kids. Well, I mean, I, you can't you can't honestly say that. Uh, you know, uh, she's following through with that responsibility. No I mean, way. coming from a broken family myself, I know that, you know, it's a lifetime of, you know, you harbor a lot of anger uh, towards towards that, towards, you know, the broken family, um, the things that uh, you know should have been and weren't. And uh, those things... Those things sure. come into play. I mean, if you know, if this if this guy doesn't want his kids to 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 hate him for for the next twenty you know twenty years, you know, he's, he needs to because uh, someday they're going to grow up and they're going to wake up and they're going to say, hey, you know, hey, dad, why didn't you do this or how come we never did that and where were you, you know, and uh, and that's the most important thing. Otherwise, these kids are going to be they're going to end up out on the street. They're going to, you know, they might be, you know, uh, they might want to start their own business, like you said. They might want to do these things and can't, but they won't have the self confidence because there's no family values, there's no uh, family structure. They haven't had that, and they, they walk around. I see these kids walk around the street. They got, they look, they stare at the ground. 
you know, they don't look up. They look down. Interesting point, interesting observation. Chris, yeah. thank you for the call. We appreciate sure. hearing from you. He's referring, you. he's referring to a call we got last hour from uh, from a younger listener. I think he was 20 or I think he was about to he turn was 21. 20, yeah. His girlfriend is 19, and they uh, they got married right out of high school. Got her, got her knocked up, and uh, so she pumped out two kids in pretty much two years, and now she's decided that she wants to go off and uh, get a divorce so she can go have sex with some more guys, I guess, and really live her life, even though she's already become an adult. And this, this reflects on what we've been talking about throughout the show, is that young people in America are told to be children as long as they possibly can. Unfortunately, that's what they're told, that's what society wants them to do. On the other hand, the young people want to be adults, and they want to do adult things. So, they haven't really learned responsibility, unless they happen to have parents that allowed them to work and, you know, broke the rules and all that. So they haven't really learned responsibility, as is the case with this guy's um, wife who wants to divorce him. She's never really gotten the whole responsibility thing, but then all of a sudden, pop, pop, two kids come into her life, and then she decides that, uh, whoa, time to stop this. I, I don't want to have anything to do with this. I don't, I don't, I don't want to take care of these kids. I want to go and party on the weekends. I'm, I'm 19. I should be a, ch- I should be a child here. I've got, I don't want these kids. You know, see, it's not, it's not being a child. It's just being irresponsible. Um, once you have two kids, you. Well, it's not created- being a child. It's I don't want to be an adult. Okay, now about that. Because there's plenty of irresponsible adults out there. The 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 problem is I don't is, call them adults. Adult children. Fine, That's whatever. Point. It, it, I guess it doesn't really matter. The fact is, she's got responsibilities. She doesn't want those responsibilities, and that's a darn shame. Right. Because people are going to suffer. If she had, as a young person, been encouraged to develop her sense of responsibility, which is what we're talking about here, allowing kids to make adult decisions, allowing kids, young people, with, uh, with obviously with the consent of their parents, to go out into the workplace. If she had had a job at 14 or 13 or 12 or had started her own business back then, imagine what that would have done for her mentality at the age of 19. It would have been to- she would be a totally different person today, and uh, she might not have been so irresponsible as to have even gotten knocked up in the first place. Because again, we don't effectively teach kids about sex. They learn it from their friends. They learn it from watching pornos, and they don't really come to understand what it's really all about. And so there's so much tragedy. It's just amazing. We'll come back to more talking about kids, but we need to go to the phones and talk to Royce in Kansas City. Royce, you're on Free Talk Live. Royce, hello. Hello. Hey. How you doing? What's on your mind? Um, I called in to talk about uh, going to jail the other night because I was yeah. walking down the highway. You were jailed for walking down the highway? Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, I was. I was out taking a walk, um, and a cop pulled up just past me, and I didn't want to stop for him. I just kept on walking. Yeah, he told me to stop, and I raised my arms out and I kept walking. And I said, I don't have any weapons, and I'm not hurting anybody, and I just want to take a walk. Uh, and then he tackled me. There's a lot more to your story. I've read the details on our bulletin board system. I think, Mark, you probably have not heard anything about this no, yet. I don't this know is a, uh, an amazing and outrageous story, something that happened to one of our listeners. We have him on the line. His name is Royce. We're going to come back with his full story here in moments. 1-800-259-9231. Walking down the highway and tackled by the police and much, much more. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. 
All of the features on our site are completely free, so you can enjoy those on us, and that includes the archives. An entire year's worth of the show right there, front page of the site for your downloaded convenience. Go grab them up on us. That's freetalklive.com. Do you know that 9 out of 10 lawsuits in the world are filed in the United States? Any number of lawsuits, court orders, or greedy bureaucrats can leave you and your family penniless. At KeepYourAssets.net, they are experts in sheltering your wealth. You'll see that at KeepYourAssets.net, they can help you be protected against those that wish to take your assets. KeepYourAssets.net. Let's go back to the phones. As uh, one of our uh, longtime listeners is uh, calling in here, Royce in Kansas City, arrested recently for apparently walking down the road. Uh, Start at the beginning, Royce. What happened? Oh, well, just like that. I was walking down the road. I was going south on I-35, on the shoulder of the road. You were on the interstate? I was on the interstate. Okay. Um. And I saw a cop pull up, uh, you know, right in front of me, um, and he got out of the car. Uh, I held my arms to the side, and I said, I don't have any weapons, and I'm not hurting anybody, and I just want to take a walk. Um, and he said some things to me. I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, I, I got the gist of it. Uh, he wanted me to stop and talk to him. I didn't feel like talking to him. Uh, and he told me, I'll take you down if I have to. And I, I held my arms out to the sides, and I said, you do what you got to do. Uh, and that's when he took me down by my left arm. Uh, and he didn't hurt me too bad. Uh, as soon as he touched me, I, I, I went with it. I knew he'd hurt me if he, you know, if I gave him an excuse. Um, and then his friend, I didn't know he was alone. Um, I thought he was alone at first. Uh, a guy, another guy comes up behind me, and he grabs my right arm, and he punches me twice. Uh, very hard. Uh, why, why, why would this man punch you? I mean, had you lashed out? Had you... I, I totally went limp. I, uh, hmm. I, I wasn't trying to go to federal prison for assaulting a police officer. Right. Uh, I, I totally went limp. Uh, my only guess is he wanted to. He enjoyed yep. it. He ki- he could. He knew he'd get away with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully, now they tell me they have little cameras on the front of those police cars, and hopefully we got him on camera like that. I think it was pretty clear that I was, uh, I wasn't fighting, uh, not at all. Gotcha. Um, and then they they picked me up. Uh, they put heavy handcuffs on me, uh, and and we got up, and I, I went ahead and stood up with their encouragement, and one of them ordered me to walk. Uh, and that's when I decided, no, walking isn't something I feel like doing anymore. And I went limp. Uh, I made him drag me into the police car. Um, Basically doing a, uh, a Russell Canning a or Russell a Lauren Canario, Canario. Canario thing. Because Russell knows that if he, um, because he has a Y chromosome, and if he didn't cooperate with the police, they would kick the dog crap out of him. Right, which yes, I'm, sure, I'm surprised they didn't do to you as, as a result of that. Well, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, whenever he said walk, it's, it's exactly what I thought. I thought of Russell Canning right away, and I said, no, no, I don't think I will. I'll, I'm not going to do your job for you. I'm not on your payroll. And we went, uh, we went to the police station. Uh, we got there. I, I talked to the police officer along the way. I asked him uh, if he had better things to do with his time. He said, I have a lot of better things to do with, his time, with my time. Uh, so I asked him, well, why don't you go do it? Uh, and he didn't, he didn't respond to things like that. Um, Eventually, we got to the police station, uh, and he asked me if I was going to come peacefully. And I told him, well, I'll come peacefully, but I won't do it voluntarily. <laughs> I love that mm-hmm. line. That's awesome. Did you make yeah, that? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so a bunch of cops, they grabbed me, and they dragged me into holding cell. Um, of course, I'm, you know, they're just carrying me, and it, it hurt. There was a lot of pressure against my wrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I got into the holding cell is when it got really rough. Now, I hadn't fought him at all at this time. Mm. Uh, they had... Seven cops, they counted later down on me, and, you know, they twisted me all kinds of different ways, and they shackled my feet, uh, and they don't normally do that. They don't shackle everybody's feet who comes in there and sits in the holding cell. Uh, they did that because I wasn't making their life easy. 
Julia, you've been in a holding cell before. Did they shackle your feet? I have no, been no. Shackled. You know, I've, I've gone to jail for suspended license because I've had a ticket, things like that. Um, no, no, they didn't. How many times have you been in jail before this, Royce? Four. Okay. Four. I've, I've, I've a bad habit of not paying for tickets. <laughs> I've been in jail once when I was 18 years old. I spent the night in a holding cell and I got shackles. Gotcha. Okay. So go ahead. I was in. Uh, jail for murder and i didn't get shackles oh, okay. <laughs> mine was for possession of ma- under one gram of marijuana i kept my mouth shut and said yes sir when the t- cops talked to me though <laughs> right. i just want right. to point out the difference here all right so they're sh- they uh they have shackled you and they started to rough you up in the holding cell what yeah you know they pushed on me uh, there was one guy who was really twisting on my ankle a lot and i turned around and made eye contact with him and i asked him why would you do that? And I can't. I can't see any reason except for the fun of hurting me. He was twisting your ankle. He was twisting my ankle. Mm-hmm. It, it was painful. I mean, wow. I, it was. It was back behind me. I was on my stomach. I don't know exactly what was oh. going on. I know it hurt. It hurt a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I asked him, "Why would you do that?" And you know, and he looked away. Uh, I think I accused him before that of doing it just for fun. And he looked away, and I laughed at him. I knew what it meant. And I said, "You know, I play a little poker, and uh, you did that just for fun, didn't you?" Uh, and at this point, I'm, I'm in fairly good spirits, and uh, I'm just I'm looking at him and I'm laughing, and he wouldn't make eye contact after that. Interesting. Um, so I'm sitting there in the jail for a while, and my arm starts hurting. This is when it got really bad. Um, I, I wasn't going to answer their questions. They didn't ask them for a while. Uh, but this bruise on my arm, because I was immobile, um, turned out it hurt a lot. It hurt a whole lot, and, and I asked them to take it off uh for several hours, I'm like, guys, this this really hurts. You're talking about the handcuffs, the hand, the way you had your arm in the, the behind your back in the in the cuffs. Yeah, this bruise right above my elbow. I think if I just could have moved it around, you know, I, I've had bruises in you know on a major muscle before, mm-hmm. uh, and you got to move them around a little bit and get some blood to them. From where uh, the cop had hit you earlier. So where, yeah, he hit me twice. Right. He hit me twice, and it sure felt like he hit me pretty hard. So as a result of having the handcuffs and your arms twisted a certain way, it was exacerbating the pain from the bruising. It, it hadn't gotten too bad yet. It hadn't gotten too bad yet. Uh, but someone set up a camera, and I'm, I'm telling the camera, this really hurts, guys. And, and you know I'm not, I'm not a danger, and I just, I'd like you to let my right arm go and let me move this around because I'm in a lot of pain. Uh, and, and I got nothing. Um, you know, people came in and they asked me questions, and I wouldn't ask them the questions. And eventually they told me they would let my arm go if I answered all of their questions. And, that that uh, sounds like a threat. Uh, that doesn't it, like, though? Yeah, that sounds kind of coercive to me. It sounds yeah. uh, torture, uh, torture-esque. And, uh, well, they told me, I, I said, fine, you know what? Uh, you let my arm go and I answer questions. And they said, no, you answer the questions and then we'll let your arm go. Yeah. I, I didn't believe that. Um, wow. So I sat there again. Uh, I sat there for a lot longer. Uh, I sat there for, I have no idea how long it really was. All I know is that the first time I saw a clock was noon. Uh, this happened at about 2 a.m. Okay. Um, anyway, it gets worse. My arm gets a lot worse. Uh, people come in, people go out. I ask as many of them, I ask all of them, please, please let my arm go. Uh, this really hurts. Why are you doing this to me? Uh, and none of them answered. Some of them told me they were doing it because I wasn't answering their questions. Uh, some of them told me as soon as I did whatever they wanted that I wouldn't hurt anymore. And I think that's exactly the way I put it. You know, just, I, you know, <sighs> it's, it's a little hard to get out sometimes. Yeah, this was, uh, I mean, this was just a couple days ago, right? It was just a couple days ago, and it gets worse. It gets worse. It got, it got pretty bad. Um, 
anyway, they they were they were hurt me for fun. And Gosh. Eventually, eventually after all this, I'm I'm guessing this is five hours later. Roughly five hours later, right? So now. you've had at least five hours where your arm has been in almost excruciating pain. My arm hurts. My arm hurts a lot, and I started hyperventilating from time to time. Uh, I, I was crying. I was I was begging for help. People Aww. would come to the window and smile and laugh at me. They enjoyed it. They were they were eating up your pain. They loved to see you uh, in this condition. Hold on. We're going to bring you back for the rest of your story. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, including the Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens and dozens of ladies have taken the time to send us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. We're back with Royce in Kansas City. Uh, now, Royce, you're telling us a, a pretty disturbing story. It's something that happened to you uh, a matter of hours ago, a couple of days ago. You um, were walking down the uh, the high Highway there in the Kansas City area, and uh, a cop came, tackled you. You weren't harming anybody. Uh, he uh, apparently uh, another one of the police hit you very hard twice in the arm. You had just gone limp. Um, you weren't fighting these cops. You weren't resisting them in the least. But they uh, they assaulted and attacked you. They took you back to the station where they uh, twisted your ankle. Then they turned your uh, they when they cuffed you. Your arms were in such a position that the bruising from the uh, the the punches you had received earlier were very very exacerbated by the position that you were in, causing you a lot of pain. Which you were left that way for hours as you were um, pleading with them to just simply loosen your arm up a little bit so you could perhaps move it around and, and get some blood flowing to the area. And uh, you're having it's not exactly easy for you to recall the story, but I'm, I'm glad you're here um, sharing it with our listeners because I think it's important. It's yet another example of how out of control, how authoritarian how sick and twisted some of the people in the police departments of America can be. So let's pick up the story. You're in a some sort of a detainment cell. You've been cuffed. You've been shackled. Your arm is still in severe pain, and people are coming by looking and laughing at you. That's correct. They are laughing at me. Uh, and, and I ask all of them, uh, please, I just want to move my arm. Uh, why would you do this? How could another human being do this to another person? Well, I can uh, answer that. They're sadists. Um, being a police officer puts you in a position of power over others, and inevitably people with that sort of power, or positions rather, with that sort of power, will attract those who would like to wield it. You know, and I accused them. I used the exact word sadist a few times, and, and they would smirk. Because as they'd come to the window, I'd ask them, you know, do you feel good about what you're doing? Uh, and, and they wouldn't answer. Um... I asked one person, do you, does it, do you enjoy hurting people? Mm-hmm. Does causing pain and suffering make you feel warm and fuzzy inside? I remember this one particularly well. Uh, you know, I tried. I had more lucid moments. Uh, I was, at this point, I was, I was going back and forth between hyperventilating and crying, and, and I, I kind of focused, and I tried to get a sense of humor, and I talked to these people, and I talked to the camera. Uh, but I asked him, and he said, yes, he, uh, it does make me feel, feel warm and fuzzy inside. And wow. I asked him to look at the camera, 
the camera was beside him. He couldn't, the camera didn't see him, um, hoping there was a microphone. And he really did it. He said, causing pain and suffering makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. I'm just stunned by that admission. I just couldn't stunned. believe it. I laughed. I gave such a huge belly laugh. You know, I didn't hurt so bad for about 15 seconds because that's just, it's, it's unbelievable. What, what else can you do in that situation? You're not laughing because it's funny. You're laughing because it's just so outrageously um, sick and, and absurd and, and unbelievable. But yet there it is, a, a cop actually turning to you. And uh, it, what, did he actually say that right into the camera? Oh, uh, yeah, but the camera wasn't, he was facing the camera. He was directly beside it. Um, so I don't, I don't know if there was a microphone. I don't know if it caught it. I heard him. I heard him through the grass. Amazing. It is amazing. What happened next? Well, you know, the pain increases. The first hour wasn't so bad. The fourth hour was just unbearable. Yeah. It was, it was really unbearable. And I decided that I didn't want this pain anymore, and I'd rather be in a straitjacket with my arms in front of me than the way I am back where my arm can't move. I thought maybe if I could move my arm in front of me, I'd feel a little better, and I'm, I'm pretty much losing my mind at this point. I, uh, it's very clear. I sure hope I can get a hold of that tape. Uh, and at the same hand, I kind of hope no one ever sees it. Mm. Uh, I, was, I was in very, very bad shape. So I decided I'm going to run my head into this wall. In best-case scenario, I knock myself out, and I wake up in the infirmary where people don't like to hurt people. You must have been uh, in a desperate state. He says in his story, which is on our BBS, you can read all of the detail, it's called Roycerson Goes to Jail Under the General Forum. You say multiple times you felt as though you were going insane. I really did. I, I lost my mind. It was, it was I, I can't, you know. It's, I, I've, I spent 18 hours in a holding cell, and even though I did not experience any of the horrible things that you're talking about now... I understand completely where you're coming from as far as going insane is concerned. No, I think that uh, the pain was probably driving Well, me. I understand, but, I mean, just being locked in a cell for a while, especially when you haven't done anything wrong and you've been up all night. Mine was at night like yours was. Yeah, that's um, frustrating. It really gets to you. So, uh, so there you are. You're going nuts and you're, nuts and you're about to run your head into the wall. What happened then? Oh, well, I, that's exactly what I did. I tried to run my head into the wall. Uh, I did run my head into the wall uh, as fast as I could, and I was shackled. I couldn't get much speed. Uh, what, was anyway. someone watching when you did that? Absolutely. In fact, I just tried to get his attention. Previous to this, I had finally said, okay, I will answer all your questions, uh, and then you'll cuff me. Fine, we'll do that. Just And then... He said that he smiled and he walked away. I right. saw the back at that of his point, head. At that point, you, you, um, he he must make you suffer for um, having them made them wait this long and not have followed orders up to this point. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, you ran but, yourself into the wall. Right, and then well, it was about a half an hour after that. About a half an hour after I said I will do whatever you want. I actually uh, I actually told one officer that I would perform fellatio on him if he would just let my arm go. Wow. Uh, and he laughed. You must have been in quite, a, quite a state. He, I'm sorry? <laughs> you must have been in quite a state. It was, you know, I can't believe it. It's hard to admit. Um, that quite he laughed, and he, he went over, he told the other guy, and he's like, hey, guess what this guy just said? Uh, that, that was a good time. They, they liked seeing me like that. Yep. Uh, Sickos. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were, through the course of the night, about 15 of them. And I don't know, I don't think there was one. I don't, there was not one who said, why do we got to do this to this guy? Not one. Well, um, I, I must say that they must deal with uh, some of the craziest things in those county jails, in the induction area of those county jails. I don't care. It's no excuse. You deal with each individual on an individual basis based on how they are acting and treating you. I'm just saying. All they right. deal with some crazy crap. So what have happened, to ignore a lot of screaming people. What happened after you ran your head into the concrete? 
Well, I didn't get a straight jacket. What I got was a chair, uh, a chair with lots of straps, uh, and it had a recess for my elbows so I could stay cuffed behind my back. Oh, good. Um, so you had hoped that uh, by running yourself into the wall, they would put you in a straitjacket so you could get your arm in front of you to get a little bit of blood to it and relieve the pain. But instead, they managed to uh, bring you into some sort of a torture chair where uh, you were strapped into the chair. Right. And with right. your arm still behind you. And I, I can only guess I might have spent an hour and a half in that chair. Um, and the, the thing about that chair, it, my arm felt a little better for a little while. Um, because Any kind of change of position probably did. Position. Right. But any time I moved around, it was like a it was like a constrictor. The the handcuffs would would slide down on my wrist a little bit. Any time I moved at all, and they would hurt more. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's the same same. I broke even. Uh, really, the sitting still it didn't bother me, um, but my arm hurt. It hurt. I can't explain it. I it was it was the most intense prolonged pain I've ever felt. Wow. Um, Where's it end, Royce? What uh, what else? Well, eventually, eventually they let me out. Um, the guy who was letting me out stepped on my toe, and he was, you know, putting a lot of weight on my toe as he's taking this off. And I, why you got to step on my toe like that, man? You know, uh, is there any purpose to that? You know I'm not uh, a danger to you. And he moved his foot from, from my toe. And I said, oh, good, thank you. You moved your foot from my toe. Uh, I appreciate it. And he put my toe, he put his foot right back on my toe. Just uh, sick, man. Just Yeah. It is. That's it torture, is. dude. That is um, torture, in my opinion. Uh, at this point, I'm going to do and say and sign whatever, like, whatever they want. Right. Yeah. Whatever you want me to do, man. Um, and so at that point, they took my mug shot, and they fingerprinted me. And within about 20 minutes, I saw a judge. Uh, so that means I know it's business hours now. I spent at least six hours in those rooms, and I, I think it was longer. And then you were finally, after all this time, and you had asked some of the cops during this entire ordeal uh, what it was that they were even charging you with. They That's didn't correct. tell you. Um, in the car on the way to the police station, I asked the police officer, I said, uh, what am I being charged with? He said, walking on a highway. Well, I'm like, what, what law is that, you know? Um, and he said, it's your responsibility to know the law. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, we'll tell the final uh, part of the story here, if the portion of getting out of jail. And we'll find out what the other charges were as well. There was a handful of them. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. We invite you to our website, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Though we would like you to voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you purchase through amazon.freetalklive.com, a percentage of your sale will go to Free Talk Live. The fact is, you're going to have to do that shopping anyway. you got to buy stuff to live. You might as well buy it at amazon.freetalklive.com, and there are 41 categories that you can shop from. Everything from uh, their huge book selection, of course, to DVDs, office products, Furniture, baby stuff, accessories. There's so many categories. Groceries, one of their brand new categories. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get your shopping done. 
Help Free Talk Live all at the same time. As we go back to Royce in Kansas City telling us a pretty disturbing story that gets more and more disturbing as it goes along, arrested for walking down the highway, uh, beaten by the cops in that particular case. He was not being, uh, he was not out of control. In fact, he had gone limp, basically, and then put into a jail cell, ankle twisted, arm uh, put behind, uh, arms cuffed behind his back, which again, his arm was, uh, was attacked by the cop earlier, so it was bruised, which made being in the cuffs in the position he was in very, very difficult. Um, the pain became so unbearable, you had, uh, you had gotten, you basically had driven yourself insane at that point. You rammed your head into a concrete wall, hoping they would put you into a straitjacket, when in fact that just put them, that just made them tie you down to some sort of weird restraining chair where your arms were still behind your back, and after several hours of this torture... And uh, one uh, one cop, one sadistic cop, actually admitting his sadism to you, uh, and another cop standing on your toes with all of his weight, they finally put you in front of a judge, where you were then charged with what? Uh, I was charged with obstructing a legal process. Why didn't they charge you with uh, walking on the highway, or did you get that charge as well? Well, in the end, I did forget a ticket uh, after I left with walking on the highway. Um, I, w- I want to go back just a little bit. And when they did get me out of the chair, uh, they had come and taken pictures of my arm, but I don't think they got my elbow in the frame where I was actually hurt. He mm-hmm. was he was up on my shoulder. Uh, but when I got out, I, I wanted to show him my arm and how bad it hurt. Um, and and I was swollen probably about two inches. If I if I held my arm straight, uh, there was about a two inch hump on you know on wow. the other side of my elbow um, on by my tricep. Uh, by two you know two inches swollen two inches and then four to six inches around. Mm. Um, and, and I showed him, and I showed him my other arm, and I'm like, look. And you know what he said? He said, uh, you're just buff, man. <laughs> well, I'm sure they make a lot of excuses for uh, swollen arms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so then you got charged, or you, you appeared in front of the judge. And I appeared in front of the judge. What happened? Um, I didn't say anything. Uh, I mean, I said, I said yes and, and no. Uh, it, was, it was very short. It was a video arraignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just took me to another room, and I looked at a TV. And um, then they and let you out? Well, no, they didn't let me out. Uh, she said I won $2,000 bond. A $2,000 bond. And at this point, they told me I would go to court the next day if I didn't bond out. But if I did, I would go back to court on June 13th, July 13th. Okay. Um, I still had not got my phone call. Um, and actually, I, it hadn't even occurred to me. I was in that kind of much pain. I, it hadn't even occurred to me to call anybody. Right. Um, and they, they bring me back, and they put me in a holding cell. This time, I'm, I'm totally unrestrained. Uh, obviously, they didn't huh. really think I was a danger to myself uh, because How I wasn't restrained. They didn't think I was a danger to anyone. Um, now, they, wait, they why, are, why are you in a holding cell? Because you need to arrange for the bond? Uh, I know. Well, I, didn't have a, I couldn't have a phone call yet. I see. Uh, no, uh, they were going to hold me there until they wanted to take me somewhere else. Um, and I asked, and, and at that point, I asked for a phone call. I knocked on on the window and I asked for a phone call and the guy said no. Uh, and I waited and I, you know, I'm not going to have this. I waited about two minutes. No, I'm just going to start making noise and they're going to give me my phone call. I get a phone call. <laughs> uh, uh, no, they're not. <laughs> exactly. They, they never did. I never did get a free phone call. Uh, so I did. I, I knocked on the window again and I asked for a phone call and he said no. I said when? He said four hours. Uh, and that's not acceptable. I waited about 30 seconds, and I asked for a phone call again, uh, and I told him I was going to keep bothering him until I got my phone call. Uh, and that's when I was told that three cops came in and said that I swung at them. 
and why should he do anything for me because I'm out there assaulting police officers? You swung at the cops? No. No, I didn't. That's just what, that's what they claimed. Yeah, that's what he said to me. And, you know, he was real hostile and mean and looking at me like I'm the worst guy in the world. So then what? So, well, so I, I sat in the home. I asked one more time. I sorry, I asked one more time, and that's when they threatened to shackle me to the bench if I asked for another for, for a phone call again. Right. Okay. Um, now, I was in a holding cell. I was with another guy. Uh, he was sleeping, and I kind of felt bad making all this noise. Um, and, and I apologized to it. He said, don't worry about it. Uh, so there's no point in shackling me to a bench. Uh, that's, just, that's just torture. That's, I mean, there'd be no other reason than uh, we don't want to give you your phone call, and we're going to shackle you a bench uh, to prove it. Okay. Um, eventually, I don't know when it was. It was noon. It was noon when I got out because that was lunchtime. And they let me out, and look, there were phones there. There were phones on the other side of the wall in this holding cell I was in. Um, there was, you know, I was literally four feet from a phone. Why did they decide to let you out? How, how did you post the, the, the they had bail? to feed me. Um, and there were several other people in the holding cell, and this was a little area. You think they, they let you out room. because they didn't want to give you a bologna sandwich? I'm sorry? You think they let you out because they didn't want to give you a bologna sandwich? No, no, no. no. They let me out of this holding cell. I'm oh, sorry. let you out of the they holding didn't let me cell. Out of jail. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, gotcha. So uh, then, you're like in, then you're able to walk around the jail, basically? Well, um, it, it, it's a booking room. It's just a small little area. Got it. Um... And there's phones there. Hey, look, phones. Um, and you can only call collect unless you have a code. One of the other inmates tells me that guy is supposed to give you a code so you can make your free phone call. Got it. Uh, that was the guy who threatened to shackle me to the bench. He's probably so, not going to be able to code. Uh, he gave me one, and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, go uh, on. <laughs> and as it turns out, out of the five people that were there in this area... Not one of their codes worked. Nobody got a free code, got a free phone call. Nice. That day. Um, I, I don't know if that's just always the way it is, and they just decided to stop giving phone calls. Yeah, like, they just want to mess with you. They just yeah. want to mess with you. That's all it is. Uh, so I made a collect phone call, and at this point, I'm afraid that I'm up on federal charges, and I'm going to go to the federal penitentiary uh, for assaulting a police officer, and, and that was that was scary. Um, oh no, he didn't do anything about that assaulting the police officer thing unless they came in and gave you a beatdown. I'm sorry? Unless they came in and gave you a beatdown, no one's going to believe for a second that you swung on an officer. Well, I mean, that's, that's probably true, isn't it? You need, I, you I need wasn't broken limbs if you swung on well, an officer. But, but he believed it at that time because the cops had come in and made the claim that, oh, you swung against us. And so Royce at that period, you know, in that period of time in his state of mind, um, fully believed them that that was going to be another charge. Royce, you've got like less than, less than a couple minutes to wrap this story up, man. What, uh, what else do you have to share with us? Um... Well, eventually, uh, eventually I got out. Um, I'm being charged with walking on a highway, pedestrian under the influence, and... Pedestrian under the influence? Are you I had had six drinks in four hours, and I weigh 160 did pounds. They, did they test you? No, they did not, never. Okay. Um, uh, well, they also that's did not read my that. rights. That, that's not the first once. question you ask, and that, that charge is taken care of. Now, here's the question I have. Um, you know... Sort of looking back on it, I, I think you probably realize that to some extent you could have done things in order to not ha have gotten into this level of trouble, right? Well, you know, I could have picked a different road, mm -hmm. but uh, I, w I was already agitated. I'm not going to lie. I got sure. in an argument with my girlfriend, uh, and I just wanted to walk. You know, right. I'm not wanted, asking uh, you to explain that. I'm just saying you know that there are other choices you could have made, and it would the night would have gone a lot easier. In retrospect, um, 
do you what do you think? I mean, you did sort of this protest thing. Um, you had a you know your opportunity to see just how bad the cops would be if you just simply did not cooperate. If you exercised your right to silence, your right to uh, walk down the road, um, you know, exercised your rights, you saw um, how cruel they would be to you. In retrospect, do you think you accomplished anything? Do you uh, actually? I hope do you, I did. What do you think? Um, my brother-in-law, I ran into him, and he heard I got in jail, and I explained to him that. I needed some time to get some phone numbers uh, to take care of some things. And, and somehow he decided to throw in, you're not black, you must have had it coming. I know. Uh, and now he's listening to this show right now, and he's read that post. And, uh, and I think I might have, he, he might have seen something. Um, and among a few other people. And, uh, so um, wait, you're saying, maybe... that outside, you're saying that your experience has helped persuade others outside of the jail that uh, maybe liberty is something they should look at? Is that what you're saying? You know, uh, is that, too, is that too much to ask? I, I don't think it's... I, you would be the only one who can answer those questions. I'm simply asking. I know that I would not have done what you did in those circumstances. Um, at least I would have broken significantly sooner than you did. <laughs> what, are they, uh, what are you going to do about the charges? Uh, you know what? I, I just don't know yet. I just don't know. I don't want to give them any money. I'm not going to pay them so that they can use that money to do it to somebody else. Mm. Um, I might sit in jail for a month. I might sit in jail for a year. I mean, that's what I'm looking at. You've got a lot to think about, and uh, keep us informed as to what happens as your case develops. I know there are some people that are suggesting, you know, that you get a lawyer. Uh, I, of course, have suggested that you look into possibly maybe uh, calling the judge onto the carpet with uh, by not acknowledging their their authority and all of that. And there are different ways to approach this, and I'm interested to find out what you end up deciding to do. And of course, what happens, Royce? Thanks for the call. Hour three is on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free, so enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. As we roll right into the phone calls and go to Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live, Tom. Yeah, good evening. Hey, I'm on up? my way back from Porcupine Festival. Ah, how was it? Oh, it, it was awesome, and I met Russell Canning from the uh, Keen Free Press. Yes. And I was handing out my papers with a list of my libertarian websites on one side, and on the other side, how to get elected to the New Hampshire House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. And I'm handing this out to people, and I'm handing one to a gentleman named Joel Winters. Yes, he's uh, already like been elected. He, yeah, so like he needs my advice on how to get elected. Right. So that, that was kind of funny. And I attended the uh, the presidential candidates debate. You really got to check out this candidate there named Lee Mercer. I mean, the, the guy, the, the wackiest thing I ever heard. And you, if you check out his campaign website, you can probably, I'll bet you he would be willing to sit in and do a talk show. And Who is he? Be, wait, wait, he's running for president? Yeah. Under and, what uh, party? I don't know what party, but uh, Lee Mercer is one of the hundred plus people on the ballot for president of the United States in the primary. Oh, right, because and, in New Hampshire it's really easy to get on the ballot as a presidential yeah. candidate. Got it. So you got can it. get some incoherent entertainment uh, from him. <laughs> and uh, I posed a question there, and it might be uh, of interest to your previous caller, too, because uh, one of the candidates was from Asheville, North Carolina, and that rang a bell. I, I asked them, do 
you people agree that the fellow in Asheville, North Carolina, when the deputies came, they were taking him to, coming to take him to a mental institution against his will, which is totally against all libertarian principles. Do you agree that he was justified in gunning down one of the deputies? And uh, they, uh, three of the seven candidates said no, they did not uh, believe that that was justified. Uh, the other four did not choose to answer that question. Interesting. But uh, then... You know, I'm just think, listening to your previous caller, and I just wanted to, to let him know that on uh, February 20th of 2003, a man in Alexandria, Louisiana, gunned down two cops and put three more in the hospital in retaliation for racial profiling and police brutality. So uh, he's on the death row now? Oh, no, he got killed, too. Oh, I see. So yeah. he... he that's what uh, happens when you kill cops. They yes, come back at die. you with a hundred more uh, to, yep. in order to take you out. So it's not it's not a very effective form of activism. But you know, I understand, it's, man. If you've been beaten by the cops, all you can probably think about is getting revenge. Yeah, and cops under control or cops under flowers. If you don't straighten out your cops, chief, then the undertaker will. Tom, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Awful okay, cell phone. Out of control. Awful cell phone. <laughs> um, well, now, now he he does bring up an interesting question, and that is the the mental health situation when uh, these strangers are coming to take you away. Ha ha! You know, when mm-hmm. they're coming to get you, uh, is it appropriate appropriate to defend yourself? I don't, I don't know what to do in those particular circumstances. You haven't committed a crime. They're taking you to a mental facility. They think you're crazy. You probably don't think so. Interesting question. 1-800-259-9231. Carl in Montreal. You're on Free Talk Live. Carl, what's on your mind? Hey, hey what was your uh, guest name and where was this? what did this happen at? Uh, well, we had uh, Royce on the line in Kansas City. Uh, we had him on last hour telling us about his ordeal uh, being beaten by the police as he was just simply walking down the side of the road. Yeah, I wanted to keep up on that story. I well, think he. Yeah. I know you're in uh, you're in jail right now, Carl. So I don't know how easy that's going to be, but uh, he is one of our uh, listeners. He's on our bulletin board system as Roycerson, and he's posted all the details there. So when you get a chance, uh, go and take a, take a look. And of course, he'll continue to I'm sure to, to check in with us and, and keep us up to date. Yeah, I can keep somebody. You know, somebody send me stuff all the time. So from the internet. So what do they they uh, print it out and email it to you? Oh no, mail it to me. Or I, bring I, it, I meant mailed it to you. Or visitor can bring it to me. Yep. Okay. That's what happened with Russell Canning when he was in jail. A, a number of uh, of his supporters were printing things out just so he could read, you know, what was going on. Give you some, it gives you something to do, you know. Oh yes, I think I told you partly what happened in my case with the injustice, with the harassing phone calls. But it wasn't uh, police; it was the prosecutor and the uh, probation officer, which did the pre-sentence report, and they put stuff in there that wasn't true, Hmm. used that to enhance my sentence, and end up giving me five years on a charge it would normally carry like a year maximum. I can't believe that there's a charge for making telephone calls. Whether somebody wants to get telephone calls or not, it just amazes me. Well, what happened was, it was originally harassing uh, obscene phone calls because my ex-girlfriend broke into my house after I kicked her out, and then she stole stuff out of my home, and then I complained, and I called her, and her brother got mad, broke in the house, beat me up, put me in the hospital. I was angry, and I called her up and called her a bunch of names, left voicemail. Right. And it, and it was originally a state charge. I ended up leaving the state of Florida where this occurred, went to Virginia. They tried to extradite me back, uh, had me under a fugitive from justice, 
And they mm. ended up picking me up and releasing me four times, Virginia, because Florida never extradited me. Extradition over leaving a, f- a few curse words on an answering machine? Yes, and I was locked up four times did over a period of a couple you, years. Did you say anything like, I'm going to kill you, you bitch, or anything like that? Well, no, I told her to drop dead and stuff. That's not as bad. That's not a threat. To say it drop dead, that's drop not a threat. does not sound like a threat. It's, it's the equivalent of saying go to hell. So they were just calling this, this wasn't necessarily threatening phone calls. They called them harassing phone calls. Was that the charge? Yeah, harassing obscene phone calls. But what happened was, ended up the federal government picked up the charge because it's across state lines. It's called interstate commerce oh, of no. harassing, threatening communications. Ugh. And then they made this plea deal, told me I would get time served. And then the uh, probation officer prepared a pre-sentence report that they do before sentencing. After you plea, they do an investigation report, and in this report, they ended up uh, taking a statement supposedly from my ex-girlfriend that I broke into her house, she fired a gun at me, but somehow she shot herself. And when I asked them to produce evidence of this, they would not even want to produce evidence. They kept saying, well, that's what was said, and they wouldn't produce any documents. They wouldn't put basically the money where their mouth was and prove that this happened. There was no police reports of this ever happening in the state of Florida. Amazing. It, they used that in the then, me five years. And then you escaped to Canada. Yes, and then I was detained here. But then uh, while I was in Virginia, I had my roommate. I bought a uh, laptop, which was stolen, and the police picked me up. I had the laptop, and they checked it, and it was stolen. I didn't know it was stolen because they got me for stolen property. But that's that, not to me, that to me is one of the most unfair laws on the books. The idea that someone can sell you a piece of stolen property and you're supposed to know that it's stolen? Well, anyway, <laughs> that's why Canada is saying I'm not admissible to Canada because I had that on my record. And I argued about the harassing phone calls. They're not really trying to deport me over that. They're trying to deport me on this the stolen charge laptop. of buying stolen goods. Ugh, what a mess. And now you're sitting in a detention center in Montreal. Yes, and then they're trying to send me back to the United States, and um, Where you're I had a probation in prison. I had probation violation, and I didn't turn myself in to do this time. I say that they owe me time that I shouldn't have to serve any more time because it was false information used against mm-hmm. me. So I came here claim refugee status, and now they're saying maybe I have to do two years because I broke the law by not turning myself in. Wow! Don't you know, Carl? You're supposed to read all the laws, so you can you know the ignorance of the law is no excuse. Blah blah blah. Don't you know all that? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, they're certainly giving you a lesson. And, it, it, you know, Carl, it sounds like a very un- unfair circumstance. And uh, I think people should know that, you know, all this injustice, like, well, the, you know, previous caller, you know. Absolutely. Terrible. Yeah, you know, jails, if anything, should be a place for violent people that harm others, not someone who makes a harassing phone call. If you get a harassing phone call from someone, and thank you for the call, Carl, we appreciate it. If you block get a harassing, the number. Yeah, block the number. Call the phone company and say, so-and-so is calling me from this number, harassing me. I would like that number to not come through anymore. Thanks very much. And if they keep con- and they continue to harass you, then it really it doesn't seem to be appropriate to put that person in a jail cell. If they've wasted your time or something like that, then have a judge, uh, you know, have a judgment made that they have to pay you for every single minute of phone calls uh, that, you know, at a, a rate of $60 an hour or something like that and get some sort of restitution. That's not putting the guy in jail isn't going to do anything to make the situation better because when he gets out of jail, he can just call you again. Well, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> look, if you've got a telephone, you've opened yourself up to, you've welcomed telephone calls. Right. Sorry. You're automatically in the phone books. 
That's true. You actually have to pay to stay out of the phone book, which I find a little strange. As do I. But I must say, um, I was in prison for nine years, and um, I heard a lot of stories. Uh, a lot of guys told me that I didn't believe. 1-800-259-9231. Are you saying that you don't believe Carl's story? I'm just saying that convicts got a lot of time on their hands and to make up stories. 1-800-259-9231. I believe what he's saying. This system is out of control. Sickle CAI toll free line. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line for you. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features on our site are completely free. Some of those features include the bulletin board system. Head over to bbs.freetalklive.com to get interactive with the uh, Free Talk Live crew, as well as about 1,500 or more of our listeners in over 250,000 posts for you to surf around through. That's uh, bbs.freetalklive.com. We had started the show, um, actually, in hour number one, by talking about young people in America, teenagers, and how it is that the culture and the government and many people in in, uh, in America seem to insist that teenagers stay as childlike as possible for as long as possible. It's this sort of obsessive mentality of, you should be a child forever. You should cherish your childhood and, and, and extend it as long as possible. In fact, we're going to pass laws to ensure that you stay as childish as you possibly can as long as you can. That's sort of the mentality of, of some of these people. I'm not sure if the laws were originally passed to for that purpose, but it certainly is a, a consequence, an unintended consequence, if that's the case. Well, they were passed for paternalistic reasons in that, you know, oh, well, you're not 17 yet, so you can't see this violence and sex in this movie. Uh, you, you have to be 17 to see R-rated right. movies. Well, I'm just saying, I don't think that necessarily the mentality there was, well, we want people to stay childish for as long as they can. I think that some people probably that's not, had that's good how, intentions. That's but, not how they would have said it, but the mentality behind the law is that we must protect children from adulthood. Because if you allow children to see R-rated movies, they'll become more adult-like sooner. If you allow children to smoke cigarettes and drink alcohol, uh, they'll become more adult-like sooner. These are things that young people want to do in order to be more like adults, but they're prevented from engaging in them, even if their parents want them to. Well, you know, they, they, they put the preventions out there from doing things to act, quote-unquote, act like adult, having the freedoms that an adult has, because I can go out and smoke cigarettes. I don't want to, but I could if I wanted to. I'd go out and buy a pack of cigarettes, pack them like a jerk, and then do it some more, (laughs) and then pull one out of these packed cigarettes and actually light it and smoke it. I don't want to, but I could. And these, uh, you know, so they take away these freedoms, um, and and then the kids just want them. And once the kids go out and do them, uh, which they're going to, they're going to get the cigarettes, and they're going to pack them like idiots um, for (laughs) like a half an hour. I I started smoking (laughs) cigarettes when I was 11 or 12 years old. It, you know, it, you it happens. I don't remember. <laughs> it, it's always teenagers pack cigarettes. <laughs> I don't think I was that into it. It was a really because, brief time. Well, you know, at, at that point, a pack of cigarettes is exciting. <laughs> yeah. To get anyway, so they get these contraband. Ci- right. They get these cigarettes and um, or or whatever, and they they uh, they get to do all the things that an adult could do. They can play with them, experiment with them, and be uh, irresponsible with them, but they don't have any of the responsibilities that being an adult is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In fact, I have a follow-up uh, to what we talked about in hour number one, and that is that 
uh, LiveScience.com reporting that teenagers who date older people, have sex, and use drugs or alcohol think of themselves as older than they really are, according to a new study. The findings suggest that when teens engage in grown-up behaviors, they feel closer to adulthood. So the fact that they, they don't have access to these, these behaviors, by law at least, they're not legally allowed to do them, um, doesn't stop them from doing them anyways. And one of the reasons why they want to do them is to feel more grown up, beyond the fact that it's prohibited, and that's an exciting factor as well. But grown-ups do these things, so I'm going to do them. I'm not sure why I exactly tried drugs when I was a teenager. I'm not sure if it's because I wanted to be more adult-like. I think it was more of a fun factor. But I can tell you that it definitely made me feel more adult-like. Previous research has shown that teens perceive themselves as slightly older than they really are, but that this trend begins to reverse when people reach their mid-twenties, at which point they report feeling younger than they actually are. Knowing this, Kelly Arbo, a psychology doctoral student at the University of Alberta, and her colleagues in uh, the University of Victoria wondered whether teens who participate in adult activities feel even older than their peers do. To find out, they asked 664 teenagers between 12 and 19 to gauge how old they felt and to answer questions about their dating and sexual experiences, as well as whether they smoked, drank, or used drugs. On average, the teens reported feeling older than their actual age, and girls generally felt older than boys possibly because they reach puberty, uh, puberty sooner. The teens who felt the oldest compared to their biological years were more likely to be dating someone older than them and to have had sex before. Quote, sexual experience is unequivocally the realm of adult behavior, Arbo said in a prepared statement. So when teens are having sex and their peers aren't, it can make them feel more adult. So um, the, more mature than their non-experienced counterparts. They've got a notch on the old belt, so to speak. I guess. In addition, Arbo said her and her team found that teens who used alcohol and drugs also felt older than those who had abstained. Interestingly, although smoking made the boys feel older, it had no effect on how the girls felt. This could be because girls don't consider smoking to be a desirable habit, the authors wrote in their study, which is published in the June issue of the Journal of Adolescence. The relationship between these activities and teens' perceived age is not fully understood, the authors wrote. For example, it's unclear whether these activities tend to make teens feel older or whether teens who already feel older tend to engage in these activities. But nonetheless, interesting results. 800-259-9231. And as before, if you have a story or an example of how you feel that um, adults around you, when you were a young person, when you were a teenager, how you feel that the adults around you, through their attitudes and through the things that they said and that they did, um, suppressed your natural desire to become an adult. Because it seems to me, and if you want to share those, 800-259-9231, it seems to me that when you're a young person, even when you're very young, when you're five, six, seven, eight, the, the process of growing older is so exciting. It's so cool, you know. You you don't eat on the kitty menu anymore after a certain point. You're you're outgrowing certain. You're outgrowing clothes. You're learning. You're you're coming up in the world. You you're physically growing, and I that's all you do when you're a kid. You do kid things, and you grow. And growing is so uh, in, integral to being a young person. Then all of a sudden, once they reach a certain age and they they feel like they want to continue growing, society puts the brakes on and say, "Well, you're not ready for working yet." I and think, that's damaging. In my I, I think more than anything, it's the uh, the hindrances that young people have to getting jobs that uh, would make would prevent them from being 
grown up. I mean, it's it's the, a major the rules, step. The rules that's uh, that uh, you know the the, the laws that uh, we have made that make it so that they can't grow up. As a 16 year old, I might be earning enough money. I don't. I didn't know any 16 year olds that were earning enough money to live on their own. But I might be owning enough money, um, earning enough money to live on my own, and uh, I wouldn't really have the rights of an adult. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and even if you weren't earning enough to live on your own at 16, that's okay. You probably would be living with your parents, in which case you'd be able to sock more of it away, which means that by the time you finally did get out of school or by the time you finally were ready to go, um, to strike out on your own, you'd have a nice little nest egg uh, sort of put away. When I uh, started working at 16, I was ready to – as soon as I turned 16, I ran right out and got a, got my first job. Um, because I was excited about finally being able to uh, to work, and, and thank goodness that I did, because um, being able to sock that money away while living home with my parents allowed me to graduate high school with a, a nice little $10,000 nest egg in the bank. How many people graduate from high school that, can, that, that have that? Not many. 1-800-259-9231, but if kids were able to work from earlier ages, even to 14 to 13 to, heck, even uh, as young as 8 with a paper route or something like that, they could have a significant savings by the time they were ready to break away from their parents. More on the way at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything, the toll-free number, 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site are totally free. Live streams are there. Broadband version, dial-up version, two sizes will fit virtually any internet connection, totally free. freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know, they know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Now, we've been talking about how society here in America, maybe in Canada, I'm not sure about that, but I, presumably Western cultures, uh, society, at least here in America, and the government specifically, is keeping young people childish for way, way too long. Uh, we're encouraging them to be infantile um, as long as possible, and it's re- it's removing the possible development of of a sense of responsibility, of adulthood, and a variety of other things. Is really it's hurting it's hurting our young people in America. And there are these people out there that they sort of have their own little fantasies for for, for young people. Uh, their fantasy is that they should be childlike for as long as they possibly can be, even though that's not what the young person wants. And we see these conflicts a lot with um, adults and their teenagers. The adults, they have, uh, you know, they've got a vision for their kids. They've right. got what something... exactly is this remaining child, remaining a child for longer thing? What do you mean? What what, what is it? Um, you know, they. What does it mean to remain a child? Well, you're they, a child. You should remain a child for as long as you can. What does that mean? It's some sort of obsessive nostalgia. I mean, people in America tend to have a lot of nostalgia anyway, than an obsession for the past, the good old days. Yeah, I, um, I think about being a child, and I played football with my friends. That was fun. 
Um, the innocence, that's another factor. Innocent is the, does innocence mean that I didn't want to have sex? Because I didn't. You know, somehow mm-hmm. I found far, Star Wars figures far, far more exciting than women. And girls, right? Yeah. I, I, is that what it means? Because you're not going to make teenagers not want to have sex. Right. But in their minds, they feel like they can, you know, set the rules of society, in which they've done, uh, to prevent kids from getting in contact with all these adult things. And thereby spoiling their purity and innocence. This was actually brought up on the BBS recently. Um, a, one of the posters there who was claiming that abstinence is the way to go, and of course I strongly disagree, was saying that kids are too stupid to handle sex and to handle the concepts of abstinence. Well, they're, they're, they're stupid, well, or they, they'll appear stupid when they're uninformed, which is what they're they are because the government is telling them nothing, essentially. Well, that's exactly what I said was, I mean, kids are stupid because people like you continue to treat them like morons. Right, and their parents, more importantly, are right. telling them nothing. Because no, I don't want the government telling your kids anything. I want the government to go away and get out of education. But it's it's the responsibility of parents. And when parents, you know, plug their ears and cover their eyes and pretend like they can keep their kids away from these ideas and these concepts, especially in today's world of information freedom, where all a kid has to do is get online and punch in some search terms to find all sorts of information on uh, sex and pornography and that sort of thing, uh, for parents to continue to... to to pretend like that's really the, the case is just they're fooling themselves. And then you've got these parents that have dreams for their kids, right? The parents that not only want to keep them childlike for as long as possible, but also want them to follow a specific path. I know it well. They want their young, uh, their children to do as they would like them to it's do, to live vicariously through their young people, their children. Right. It's almost like they've lived their life and there's certain aspects or certain things they wanted to accomplish maybe that they didn't or certain things they would like to redo if they could. So they want their child to sort of live the life that they wanted to or to learn from their past mistakes. But well, you want good things for your child. I understand. I can I I can totally understand. I just think it's the wrong path. I mean, people have to make mistakes. I would I would it, say that you give them the uh, your children the best advice you can possibly give them, but I wouldn't get too too bent out of shape if they make some decision right. other than than what it is that you'd like them to do. It's a disturbing, obsessive, sick path. You should encourage your children to do what, uh, in my opinion at least, you should encourage your children to do what they find interesting and uh, and help them uh, on that course. But this is a story about parents, a set of parents that is the kind of parents that has a dream for their kids, or had a dream for their daughter. In this case, a 16-year-old daughter, Wendy Hagar. The Hagers, it's spelled differently actually in the photo than it is in the article, the Hagers are trying to figure out how life went off track. Now remember, this is according to their track, what their track was for their daughter. How life went off track for their teenage daughter, Wendy. They envisioned that life for the good student and promising athlete would be filled with dreams of the prom and college. But all that changed this week when Wendy, who's 16, married her high school track coach. Hmm. Her mom, Betty, said she was a dream kid. We'd never have to worry about Wendy trying to get by with something. At South Brunswick High School in North Carolina, Wendy's greatest passion was track and field. She was just always outside, always running, and her name's Wendy. I guess she was predestined to love, to do love, to do to love, to love that. Uh, but that passion led her down a troubling path. During Wendy's freshman year, her 38-year-old track coach, Brenton Wuche, began taking a more active interest in her, offering to give the 14-year-old rides home from practice. 
He just seemed like a genuine guy, like he was there for the kids, said Wendy's father, Dennis. But the Hagers eventually grew uneasy. Their phone bills showed text messages between Wuche and Wendy as late as 2 a.m. They also discovered worrying emails. In one, Wendy wrote to a friend, quote, I don't care to look at anyone other than him. He's the apple of my eye. I've never felt this way for someone, but I just don't want to lose him because of my parents' power trips. Do you think there's something going on in the family there? That Apple of be... my eye sounds pretty darn wholesome to me. I, I don't know what's going on uh, precisely. I would like to know more about the power trips, personally. Like, what was it that her parents were doing to her uh, or demanding from her that were, were separating her from her parents? The Hagers then confronted the coach. Quote, he assured me there was nothing like that going on, and they were just friends. His intentions were purely appropriate, said Dennis. Not satisfied with that answer, the Hagers turned to the school district, which spoke to the coach. The principal of the high school wrote to the Hagers, quote, I've seen nothing but a cooperative attitude from the teacher, and to the best of my knowledge, he has not had any contact with Wendy since then. Quote, school officials can't be responsible for what happens the other hours of the day, and I would think the relationship developed much more outside of school, said an attorney for the school district. The Haggers contacted police, and they even tried to get a restraining order. Quote, we've tried everybody. We've been to the law. We've been to the school board. Our family has come and tried to talk to her. We've had people on the phone with her for hours, family, friends. We've been to our pastor asking for guidance. We've been to his pastor. Meanwhile, the Haggers say Wendy withdrew refusing to speak to them until she asked them to sign a consent form so that she and her coach, a man more than twice her age, could get married. Although anguished, her weary parents gave in. Quote, Signing those consent forms was the hardest thing I did in my whole life, but we had to move on. It was going to kill us all. Oh, what was us? We've lost a daughter. Everybody feel terrible for us. Monday, Wendy and Wuche married, and he resigned from the school. But was Wendy really old enough to understand her decision? Experts say it's a difficult situation. Quote, with most teenagers, they're not sure yet who's who and what's what and what should be done, said the author of the book, Is My Teenager Okay? It's obviously up to the adult figure to set the boundaries. Wendy and her new husband would not comment for this story, but the Haggers, her parents, realize what they've lost. Quote, she could have done anything, Betty said. And now she can't for some reason? She could have set the world on fire. She threw it all away. Unquote. So now, a lot of people are going to look at this story, and they're going to say, well, this guy's just a pervert. He just want to take advantage of this young girl. And, and maybe he is. You know, maybe that is true. But I didn't really want to focus on that part of the story. I wanted to focus on the fact that the parents had a certain dream for their daughter. And because she decided, as an individual who can make decisions, remember we talked earlier about how teenagers um, measure up to adults in all the 14 different standards of being an adult, mm-hmm. the different things that are necessary. She made her own decision to go with this coach, to marry this man, for whatever the reasons were. Her parents tried to talk her out of it the entire time, instead of trying to understand and maybe talk to her about her feelings, instead of trying to just convince her not to so her parents pushing back against her just made her want to push back against them separated them even further uh from their relationship which uh, again included power trips on her parents part whatever that meant we'll come back with more you can take control this is free talk live Just enough time for your call if you make it now. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line for you. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the website are totally free. 
and you can enjoy those on us. Though we would like you to voluntarily support the show, and one of the ways you could do that is by amping. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier, as over 300 and uh, about 375 of our listeners have decided to do. As little as three bucks a month is all it is. That's all we're asking for, and it's completely voluntary. You send it in because you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, because what we're doing with the money is we take it in and we turn it around into promoting the show to get on more radio stations around the country. And let me tell you, it's working. Uh, that's money that we put into Talkers Magazine advertisements, so program directors all around the country see the uh, see the show. We go to industry conventions. We've got an affiliate relations guy out there calling stations every day for us, and it's making a big difference. And it, it's only really possible because of you, listeners like you. Amp.freetalklive.com. You get perks like access to the Amp-only call-in lines as well as the Amp-only forum and chat room. All the details at amp.freetalklive.com. Talking about a story from ABC News, um, a 40-year-old coach has wed... He has married his 16-year-old student this week. This happened at my high school, too. Really? Mm-hmm. It was a couple of years prior to me entering the high school, but mm-hmm. uh, I believe it was... Uh, I can't remember the, the teacher's name, and I don't want to call somebody's name who uh, isn't yeah. right, but uh, we'll call him Mr. W. I'm sure that part's right. Okay. <laughs> he uh, married his uh, student aide. Funny, she was his student aide two times um, from her, uh, so, you know, in her junior and senior years, and mm-hmm. then... After she got out of high school, she married him. Yeah, that's actually happened. I, as I recall, a, a similar story from my high school. Again, it it also happened after she got out of high school where she did not marry, but she started dating uh, one of the teachers at that point. And a lot of people are going to look at the story and they're going to say, well, that's that's a little strange. And indeed, it it would not be my recommendation that a girl of the at the age of 16 decide to get married to anybody, whether he's 18 or 40 or 75. I just don't think that that's necessarily an appropriate decision, but that's my opinion. I'm not her, and I'm not him, and I don't know how they feel about one another, and I don't know the conversations that they've had, and I don't know what their relationship was like. They seem to be quite blissful. Uh, there are some of the wedding. There's one of the wedding photos or whatever on no, online. I mean, it's, it's a picture of people smiling. What are you going to do with that? Uh, and they they look very very happy together. Fine, fine. She sent uh, she sent text messages that uh, indicated that she was very much uh, she cares very much for this guy. And as far as I'm concerned, they should be able to get married. Well, she she I, might. Dis- I think they should be able to get married. I think that the uh, that, that he should be fired from his job. He quit. Well, that, that's fine. He should not be working at. He, he should not be a teacher and working at a school after he's, uh, you know, uh, betrayed the trust of the education system like this. I'm not sure how that betrays the trust of the system. I don't really know what even that means. Okay. Um, if he was working at a private school and the private school had a rule against dating girls um, that you were teaching, yeah. um, would you be okay with him firing him? Sure, of course. Good, because it's a good rule. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So again, they've gotten married, and her parents are very upset. Her mother, uh, Betty, she says she could have done anything. She could have set the world on fire. She threw it all away. Well, it's not like she's dead. I mean, the the girl's still out there. She's married and presumably living now with this forty-year-old man. Yep, lots of married people go to college. Don't worry about it. Right. She's not pregnant, at least not that we know of, and. I'm betting that if this guy really cares as much for her as she thinks that he cares as much for her, then he wants to see her succeed. He he wants her to follow her dreams. I mean, he's you know he's going to make money, unlike a peer of hers, um, who's not going to be able to help her at all. So, 
Yeah, I, I personally don't see what the issue is, and really what's more disturbing than uh, the re- response of the parents is the response of those who have commented on the article at abcnews.com. Well, that's always the disturbing part. Yeah. Um, saying things like, he's a pedophile. No. Well, they don't know what well, the definition of a pedophile What is I think one. is funny about that is the parents found emails, so they were secret emails, not emails that the daughter showed her, and there was nothing in there that had was any perverted or anything like that. It, it apple of my eye and comments like that. That doesn't seem like a pedophile to me. It he sounds to me like she might have been driven into his arms as opposed to, uh, not not that uh, the parents can force her to do anything, but, uh, you know, just being a little too controlling might uh, very well cause her to want to do that very thing that it is that they don't want her to do. Right. She did mention that her parents um, had power trips, which, of course, inevitably, whenever you use force on somebody... Whether it's your parents using force on, whether it's parents using force on kids, or government using force on individuals, inevitably those people will resist that force. They will try to find ways around it. They will, uh, they will, they will adjust their behavior in order to lessen the amount of force. And uh, in the case of a rebellious teenager, they're going to go further away from you. As you push them, they're just going to go away. They're going to shut off, shut down. And go into their own little world. In this case, her world was the forty-year-old uh, was her forty-year-old coach that she was spending time with. And if it's a mistake, she'll figure it out eventually. You know, there are posts on the ABC News comments from women that had similar situations who are now older. Some women in their fifties who are commenting saying, "I was like this girl. I married a guy, a much older guy, at a very young age, and it didn't work out for me. And now I'm an angry old woman." As a result of it, you know, basically. Well, there are plenty of 40-year-old women who married 40-year-old men, and it didn't work out. And they're yeah. still and angry. And they're angry. <laughs> right. So it seems to me like the age differential, though some people find it uh, strange, maybe somebody would have batted, it, batted an eye if it was a 40-year-old man marrying a 20-year-old. I mean, really, you're only talking about a matter of, a matter of degrees and, and, and numbers. And let's let people decide for themselves who they want to love and who they want to spend time with. And I just think it's sad, you know, the controlling nature that some parents have. And uh, these parents, and I agree with you, Mark, I think they got themselves into this situation. Oh, yeah. 1-800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. But just one more thought on the uh, the young people issue, the issue of American culture and society and government repressing young people's ability to be adults, the, the repressing their their path to adulthood and and suppressing it as long as they possibly can. This from the original article we read, uh, psychologytoday.com. It's just the final thoughts of one psychologist who believes in teenagers. He believes they can be so much more. The tests prove it. The tests uh, prove it beyond a doubt that teenagers are capable of being adults. They don't have to be adolescent-like. Anyway, his final thoughts to the question of, are you saying teens should have more freedom? He says, no, they already have too much freedom. They're free to spend, to be disrespectful, to stay out all night, to have sex and take drugs. But they're not free to join the adult world, and that's what needs to change. Unfortunately, the current systems are so entrenched that parents can do little to counter infantilization. No one parent can confer property rights, even though they would be highly motivating. Too often, giving uh, giving children more responsibility translates into giving them household chores, which just causes more tension and conflict. We have to think beyond chores to meaningful responsibility, responsibility tied to significant rights. With a competency-based system in place, our focus will start to change. We'll become more conscious of the remarkable things that teens can do, rather than on culture-driven misbehavior. With luck, 
we might even be able to abolish adolescence. And I think I agree completely. I think that's the direction that we need to go in, allow teenagers to move into adulthood at their leisure when they're ready for it, and stop saying no to them. Stop saying no to their natural urge to grow up. Let's go to the phones in these remaining moments. It's Andrew in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, I'm just going to comment on the uh, this drag racing incident I've seen a couple of weeks ago on the television. Okay. Um, I saw like this incident about these people who uh, were standing on the side of the road, and they uh, a tire had blown out and killed a couple of a, a few you know a few black fellows, and they're commenting on how saying like about racism and stuff. Hold so on. They said a, that uh, a tire blew up on a race car, and they thought that was racism. No, 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 because a couple of black people got killed, and someone was saying, why are black people at the, you know, the drag strip anyways? Oh, okay. Because black and people said, don't like, like you know, racing? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, sir. I mean, that's what I'm trying to figure out. But, you know, I never really cared much for the Negroes anyways. But uh, Well, you're just a nasty well, man. Thanks for the call. 1-800-259-9231. I won't have, I won't have racism on, on my show. No, thank you. It is Free Talk Live, and we have talked to racists before. And if you want to have a more intellectual conversation, that's okay. But if you just want to get on the air and call names, call toss, some other toss show. Toss out epithets. Yeah, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. I find it despicable and disgusting, and there's, there's a lot of speech that I can tolerate. I'm a pretty tolerable kind of a guy. Um, but on our bulletin board system, for instance, there's a very clear no racism policy. Just because it's just mean and nasty, and it's it's uh, it's low, it's pathetic, and I think those people are scum of the earth, racists. Well, it doesn't seem to be backed up by a lot of facts. Nope. Oh, they they believe they have facts. You know, they've got their bell curve or whatever it is that they've got, and they they claim they make well, all kinds <laughs> of claims. But blacks get the um, you know blacks have a tendency to be on the low end of the uh, economic scale, so they get the low end of the economic um, you know the, the low end of the right. schools. Well, My of tribe is better than your good. tribe. And, and of course, racism is also just—it's—it's uh, it's all over the system. The racists—they get it. The racist white people get in charge of the government, and then they create racist laws that uh, that affect blacks and uh, and Hispanics, and of course, poor whites as well. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.